Hey everyone, welcome to B2B Made Simple. I'm Sam Moss, the CEO and co-founder of OneClick Agency. On this show, I interview marketing experts from fast-growing B2B SaaS companies. We feature podcast episodes I'm a guest on, and sometimes we throw in a consulting call I've done with another company. Our goal with this show is to equip you and give you the tools you need to be the best marketer you can be. Hey everybody, welcome back to B2B Made Simple, a marketing podcast for those of you in the SaaS and the tech world looking to hear from your peers about what they're doing and what you can learn um, in the industry. So with me today, my special guest is Ben Verdi Chapman. Ben, it's good to have you here, man. Great to be here, Sam. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So you're the VP of marketing and product at Obvio. Um, Give us the rundown. Give us like a 30 second elevator pitch on what you guys do. Sure. So, um, yeah, we're Obvio, formerly High Conversion. Um, you may have heard of us in, in the former life. Um, so in a nutshell, we basically create adaptive buying uh, experiences uh, for e-commerce stores powered by machine learning. Uh, what that really means is we turn your store into this kind of living, breathing thing that learns how your visitors actually want to buy things. Um, and this unlocks, you know, this kind of hidden growth uh, from your from your visitor traffic, um, to use a sort of self regarding industry jargon, um, we often get lumped into you know conversion rate optimization or A/B testing. Mm-hmm. Um, not a fan of those terms because we're so much more, but whatever works for people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, you know retail SaaS for e-commerce, ten years plus in business. We work with some the biggest brands in the world, Procter & Gamble, L'Oreal, Pat McGrath, plus a bunch of other fast-growing DTC brands. Uh, More recently on on Shopify, Shopify Plus. Mm -hmm. Um, Just kind of a a little piece here. Uh, We actually recently partnered with Amazon to bring some of their AI uh, to Shopify. Um, So it's actually sort of starting to change how our customers actually think about um, how they serve their visitors. you know, we've kind of been indoctrinated by this sort of lookalike concept. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Facebooks, the Instagram ad platforms of the world have told us that we should go and get uh, more lookalike customers. <laughs> um, what we realized was that's, you know, you should be doing the complete opposite. You should be looking at everyone else. Um, and this is how we're unlocking this growth uh, mm-hmm. for, these, for these brands. Go and look at all these other people that are coming to your, your site and leaving without buying. Um, that's actually this sort of hidden hidden truth about e-commerce at the moment. So that's what we're exploring. Uh, it's a wild ride at the moment, as you can imagine, <laughs> in e-commerce. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you being here. This is going to be a, a fun talk today. Um, but before we kick it off, I do have a question for you. Um, if you had to choose between Coke and Pepsi, what would you choose uh, going forward? This is controversial, but um, I like Coke nothing against coke but I, i'd go for pepsi i don't know there's something about okay. it I, yeah maybe it's the british in me there's something rebellious about it i don't know but yeah <laughs> i prefer i prefer a pepsi is it just the pepsi or the pepsi products that you prefer it's just yeah just the pepsi i mean look yeah. i don't drink a lot of soda but Same. if i yeah. had to <laughs> um i'd probably go with a pepsi got it all right well i think that you are in the minority when it comes to people that have been on the podcast i asked the question just to kick things off and i i get coke more often than not so yeah it's interesting to get someone uh from the pepsi side so that's cool um 
Awesome. Well, anyway, let's kick this off. So we're going to be talking about uh, revenue and what marketers should be contributing to revenue, how it should be measured, et cetera. Um, and one of the things that you believe is that the sales function isn't solely responsible for revenue and that it's a shared responsibility between sales and marketing. Um, so why don't you tell us why you believe that? Right, sure. Um, and I think some of the things I'll talk about today definitely have a bias for kind of an earlier stage uh, startup. So my mm -hmm. background's obviously uh, SaaS, um, but I think there's some principles that can be applied across uh, different, you know, maturation stages of a, of a company. But, um, and by the way, I'd probably lump product in with sales and marketing at the very beginning um, mm -hmm. because often you you're, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to create that sort of uh, flywheel effect um, with, with, the, with the SaaS product. So anyway, um, why do I think it's important to have, uh, you know, sales and marketing basically have a shared goal around revenue is in early stages, you're going to get traction faster, um, especially into the first couple of million uh, recurring um, because you have to crack the code. You have to figure out and understand your customer in almost like a freak way, like a <laughs> you must have to not stalk away, but you know, become very, very knowledgeable um, about who exactly you're, you're you're targeting and who you're selling to um, with inside businesses, because you can't appeal to everyone. Um, so you need both sides of that kind of revenue brain working to find out uh, and define what these opportunities are for the business. I mean, I'm British, so I'm going to use soccer as the analogy. But, um, you know, you don't win soccer matches by just having a striker. You have 10 other players working together to build towards a goal, hopefully. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, you know, I think we'll kind of get to this, you know, later on as well. Um, it, it's really about, you know, qualifying the opportunities. You know, marketing typically is measured around leads, MQLs, SQ, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but, and sales is, is measured by sales, by the money coming in. So if you kind of try and get out of that mindset and think about, okay, what would be a shared measurement or a shared goal? It's really that, you know, qualifying the opportunities for the business. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, rather than just like throwing leads over the fence, to the sales team, um, you have to work together to develop that business. Um, again, it's counterintuitive because depending on what, what type of company you work for, I mean, I, I've experienced this in my career. You know, you come into a company, there's already uh, a sales process. There's already um, a cadence, a philosophy, and it's been somewhat successful. Um, and you try and fit into that. Uh, and actually what happens is marketing just becomes kind of a, a servant to sales, which is fine. Um, however, again, if you take it back to the root, if you're trying to grow a new line of business, a new product, a new channel, um, early doors, like literally day one, if you can get marketing and sales to work together and really understand the market, I think really good things can happen. Um, the reality <laughs> for very early stage or if you're incubating um you know uh, 
a startup mindset with inside a bigger company, often it might be one or two people doing this. Um, so really it becomes like a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like an inciting incident for the company and it could go, you know, either way, right. It could go good or it could go bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and as you grow, there'll obviously be different challenges. Um, but I think the fundamentals actually are the same, depending, you know, depending on the size of the company. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a lot of different size companies listening to the show from very early stage startup to a well-functioning um, SaaS organization with you know right. hundreds of employees. So would you say that revenue um, should be a goal alongside both marketing and sales for startups and some of these bigger organizations? Um, I think, yes, it's just, yes, yeah, simplified, yes, it should. It's just the, um, it's how, as a team, it's how you, you define that, that goal. So mm-hmm. again, I think early, do- early, early doors, you know, the early stages of a company, it's more of an experiment. You know, sales and marketing is an experiment and you have to have that sort of scientific approach to things. Um, as you, you know, as the company grows or, or matures, um, you're basically operationalizing some of those learnings, right? So you're creating mm-hmm. the uh, the platform to scale. So I think uh, predicting revenue or forecasting might become more of an accurate thing uh, as, as the company grows. But early stages, you're trying to get your first 10, 100 customers mm-hmm. um, and you haven't done that yet. It's basically educated guessing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, you need to have your, your hypotheses. You need to have a means of testing it. Um, and if you're in a, in a situation where you do have a sales organization and there is a marketing uh, component um, and, you, you know, the boss has said, okay, guys, go and figure this out. You have to work together. Mm-hmm. If you're on your own, if you're just the marketer or just the sales, again, you have to try and bring in the other piece. Like, you know, you have to sort of become more of a, uh, a generalist. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important. Um, for all stages, but there's kind of a different definition of what perhaps me- revenue might mean, how you measure it. Yeah. Um, so revenue should, this is again, something you believe is revenue shouldn't only be a goal of a, of a marketing team or a marketer, but it should be their number one priority. Um, why is, why should it be that number one priority? Yeah. And I think, look, you know, it's easy to say it's a number one priority and there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little bit of a controversial attention getting there, but the reality is I think it takes the emotion out of it. Um, and I said, that sounds funny, but uh, your job as a marketer is to create demand for the, for the, for the company, for the products. Um, and really demand can only be measured <laughs> through an outcome. Um, you know, there's lots of talk about, you know, sidebar here, but, you know, when you look at something like PR, um, there's this sort of eternal problem of measuring PR. Um, you know, on the one hand, it's like this very intangible thing that's like, you know, air cover for the organization. And there's a, a community of PR professionals who will tell you, no, it can be measured. It's very empirical. So I think sales and marketing has the same challenge um, because, uh, you know, unless you have some other goals at your company, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, basically, and this might be controversial, even if you're a content writer or a brand designer or a social 
media manager, um, you actually need to have that revenue mindset mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, and I'm not saying every single thing you do has to become this sort of direct response uh, process, mm-hmm. but, um, or, you know, <laughs> we're asking the, the, the uh, social media intern to start closing deals, but I'm saying, <laughs> revenue that idea of revenue needs to be at the heart of everything marketers do and how we behave Mm -hmm. um it needs to be that sort of like um i forget who it was it might have been edison but in his factory he had this thing this kind of uh motto that he would move around the factory to constantly remind people of like the mission (laughs) and Uh the things that were important um i think that's the same we need to have the same mindset um in in the marketing community is you know Let's not forget about revenue. Um, and, you know, it's uh, especially in the early days of that, of the startup. Um, and then as you grow, you know, it could turn, that could be retention. It could be referrals. Mm-hmm, true. It could be affiliation, whatever. But, you know, that whole life cycle, like pre and post close, um, you have, it has to be cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to know who you're talking to. So again, you know, revenue is like the number one metric, whatever. It's really about, okay, what does that actually mean? It means you understand your customer. Your company understands your customers and how to sell to them. And that Mm -hmm. is cultural with inside your organization. Sales and marketing is basically the front end of that culture, right? It's the thing that is engaging the market every every day. So it's important for us to understand revenue is the thing, the, the goal that we're kind of moving towards. There's other intangibles, awesome. But if you're trying to grow a business, you need cash flow, you need money coming in, you need to sell things. Yeah. Um, tell me if this is accurate. When it comes to having that uh, revenue mindset, even you brought up the the content writer, for example, even someone as deep into the marketing function as that should have the mindset of revenue. Um, and an example would be in the content they're writing, they shouldn't be thinking, is this going to drive a lead? Because if it, if they're trying to create leads and that's their main goal, then the content can be extremely surface level. It might not talk to your ICP. It might not be valuable. It might be clickbaity, right? So that's all things that drive toward leads. Mm-hmm. If they have a revenue mindset, they're now creating really good content. They're thinking about the customer the entire time. They're thinking about how does this provide value? How does this educate them? And yeah, they're not the one closing the deal, but because they have that mindset shift from an MQL to revenue, now they're much more aligned um, with how some of the the C-suite is thinking and the rest of the marketing organization. Does that make, does that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, you should really be interviewing yourself because you said it a lot better than me. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been a long week, but yeah, no, that's exactly, that's spot on. Um, like, again, to use the soccer analogy, right um the ball doesn't just magically end up in the goal like it mm-hmm. it has to get there and again the best teams in the world have a philosophy about doing that and there's not one way of doing it by the way there's like many different ways of doing it but ultimately you have to find um you know what works for you as an organization but yeah mm-hmm. every and again it's i think again it, it comes from the top um especially at the beginning um you know, we like to kind of preach this like flat organization in startup, What you know, but that sort of vision sometimes does have to 
come from uh you know the founding team mm-hmm. um and that's where that sort of cultural codec the revenue codec is like really placed into the organization so when you're hiring you're thinking about okay i need to hire for this mindset mm-hmm. and that changes how you would hire people um and when you bring those people in how you train them or talk to them about um the goals that they're you know they're the expectations around their role um day one they're thinking like this right versus mm-hmm. suddenly introducing it overnight via email saying oh guys we need to be revenue mindset now mm-hmm. <laughs> so just go <laughs> go and figure that out yeah. um so you know i again i'm, t- I'm trying to talk from experience here because um you know, recently I've, I've kind of lived through some of that, you know, trying to coach and bring um, that sort of philosophy into, into uh, some of our team, um, mm-hmm. you know, fairly successfully as well. So, you know, I'm not just saying it as a, it's a cool idea. It's something that I actually, I believe in and I'm practicing it and mm-hmm. I continue to sort of be a student of it. Yeah. Um. That, that's awesome. That's why we're talking about today, because it's something you're passionate about, which is great. Um, right. So the question I, I have for you is, you, you mentioned that it needs to come from the top, the revenue mindset. So with that being said, this is going to be out of our control 90% of the time, if the C-suite doesn't have that mindset. And the only thing that you can control is, I'm going to go work somewhere else, or I'm not going to take this position, right? Um, right. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts as to the C-suite is so revenue driven for everything because they want to know how is the business performing? How is it growing? How is the organization organization um, overall health when it comes to revenue, right? So there really are revenue mindset uh, driven. But with that being said, for some reason, when it comes to the marketing function, it's, well, where's the leads or we need to get MQLs. Why do you think there's a disconnect there of all the places when they really are revenue driven and they have that revenue mindset 90% of, of the rest of the time. Right. And yeah, you're right. They are, they, they kind of weirdly have a revenue mindset, but they, yeah. I think they look at it from a different, a different angle. So and I think this is a, you know, a very big topic. I don't have the date, the data on this, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but I think, you know, look, let's just make some assumptions amongst ourselves here. You know, I think, Again, historically, marketing has been measured has been measured by leads delivered, not by revenue. Mm-hmm. So, again, making very broad assumptions here, marketing probably doesn't fit into the mental model of this C-suite. This kind of you know, imagine C-suite that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, sales has always fitted that model because it's about sales. It's about revenue. It's literally. Mm-hmm it's the toll booth that people have to go through in order to access the the product. So mm-hmm. um, it's almost exclusively been, me- been measured by revenue. Um, so I think it's kind of become this sort of like business folklore, right? It's like, this is how it is. We've always done it like this, you know, logically it actually makes sense. <laughs> There's a really strong logical argument for, for it. Um, and because of that, there's a cognitive bias and actually it's a status quo. So I don't know how you do this, but if you can get out of that mindset, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that's, and there's, there are, you know, I think there's a lot more of the C-suite um, that do 
think about this differently. Um, but, you know, again, it's that sort of cultural folklore that has kind of been built into sales and, and marketing. It's kind of the thing that the memes are created about on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. right? It's like the thing <laughs> that you kind of, you, uh, you know, you snarkily joke about in Slack is, yeah. you know, will I make my quarter and all this type of stuff. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. anecdotally, certainly in my experience, um, having been in a boardroom, boardroom setting, um, on the marketing side, um, you know, CEO, CFO, COO, basically reporting those numbers up into their board, um, they they get the feedback on those numbers, right? It becomes about the number, um, and that feedback is usually bad, <laughs> um, or at least challenging. Or their job is to challenge, obviously, challenge leadership on on those numbers, even if they are good. Um, so, who gets slapped wrist first? It's the sales thing so it's this sort of like vicious cycle right it's like okay c-suite measures by revenue revenue is not good enough okay who who do we measure revenue by it's sales okay it's sales fault it's just like this cultural Mm -hmm. cancer um and i think it it can actually take months years to unravel that um Mm. so that's that's my thoughts on that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And I think from a marketer's perspective uh, or their standpoint, a lot of times it's just better to avoid it. If you can identify that they don't have that revenue mindset, it's probably better just to not take the role because you're not going to change their thoughts on how they view marketing. And I, I personally wouldn't want that responsibility. So I think it's just if you can identify whether you're, you're talking in the onboarding process, hey, how do you measure marketing? Oh, well, right. well, we measure revenue or, well, you're going to get us X amount of leads every month. I think that's a pretty uh, glaring red flag right off the bat. Right. And also, you know, one of my pastimes, because I have no life, is reading job descriptions. Um, I just find it fascinating to see how other companies think about marketing and growth and revenue. I mean, it's a mess. It really is. Um, and uh, if you, you know, a good tip is, if you are applying for that job, mm-hmm. go and look at other job descriptions of that same role in other companies, ones that you admire, perhaps. Mm-hmm. If you can find that online, just look at how they talk about marketing. Um, because often you see those red flags early. And it also gives you a reason to ask these questions during the interview process or the onboarding. Um, hold that company accountable to their understanding of what it is now i'll challenge you a little bit on okay you run a mile (laughs) if you encounter these red flags Mm -hmm. i generally agree i generally Mm -hmm. agree um but there's some magic that can happen if you do see other signals for change Mm -hmm. so i wouldn't completely throw the baby out with the bath water um and i think it is rare but if you can see an appetite to change if you can actually educate a leader on okay this is really interesting that you think this way but have you thought about Mm -hmm. it from this perspective and you get a positive response there might be something really interesting there um, from a career perspective because now you are now elevating the value of your your marketing role right Mm -hmm. um so i think yeah, we have to challenge ourselves as well. Like we can't just run from every 
every red flag. Yeah, um, <laughs> that is true. You know, some sometimes we and look, again, I'm talking from experience, and I sort of have a weird, like, you know, almost uh, masochistic mm-hmm. lure to this sort of challenge of like, okay, can I overcome this this kind of existential problem? Um, that's what kind of drives me uh, mm-hmm. professionally. Um, I don't want to work at companies that have figured it all out. You know, yeah. I'm just not, that's not for me. Maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now I'm interested in like trying to figure out and crack the code. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can find somebody in that leadership role who doesn't quite know that that's possible yet, I think magic things can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, so when it comes to revenue mindset, how do we, have that as a marketer what does that actually look like in ben's words okay so i think there's a few ways of looking at this um and again i'll I'll sort of focus on the early stage here Um, but i think generally some of these things and this is not like an exhaustive list um i think it maps to some later later stages of, of a company but i think you know first you need to understand revenue mindset that's kind of like um so what does that what does that entail i think you have to have empathy number one you have to have empathy for the for the process for the sales process um you know i would challenge everybody listening right now if you work um at a company that could provide you with this experience be a sales rep for a week or a month (laughs) um meet and help customers or prospects and try and make them successful. I mean, try and close a deal. It's hard. It is hard work. Um, you know, I'm not just saying that because I've been told it. I live that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I've learned in the hard way in my career as a marketer that um, leaving it all to sales or whatever um, and then moaning about it and complaining that sales aren't closing the leads that you're throwing over the fence. It's just like a, almost like an abusive relationship. So you have to get out of that mindset. And the way to do that is go and understand what it's like to try and sell technology. Um, it will massively change your perspective on things. Um, it may even make you question your career, career choices. Um, and I think that's a good thing. But you'll earn like these amazing skills like that will transfer to other areas um, in your life. You'll learn how to deal with rejection. You'll learn how to try and uh, present something in a different way, in a way that resonates, um, rather than just trying to sell someone a pen. It's like you tell a story. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think, yeah, have empathy for the process. How do you do that? Live it. Um, and show the, you know, if you're working with a sales organization, ask them, like, can I shadow? Can I be part of this? I want to learn. I want to understand what it's like. Um, I have a design background, like a UX design background. So mm-hmm. my natural state is to think of the user, right? I've been educated to research, to have empathy for the user um, and try and understand what it's like to walk in their shoes or click through the website or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really important skill for marketing is empathy, but applying it to the thing that's in front of you. 
Second one, which is kind of related is be curious. Like how does sales work at a high level? Like it's different from it was 50 years ago, 20 mm-hmm. years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago. Um, there's so much content out there right now um, about sales, like what works, what doesn't. There's some really fascinating insights that you can now have access to, which, you know, maybe 10 years ago, there just wasn't that community around this idea of revenue. So, um, you know, there's a lot to learn, but also there's an abundance of knowledge and wisdom out there that you can start reading about and Mm -hmm. looking at. But you have to be curious. You have to care. Okay. Um, It's not just good enough to you know, know the process, you have to understand like when to apply certain things to certain situations. Um, you, you have to be a little bit scientific about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of my second one. And I guess to wrap this, this segment up is um, if you're working with a sales team, meet with them all the time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. especially if you're a VP of marketing and a VP of sales, mm-hmm. um, I'm borrowing a little bit from uh, the great Jason Lemkin here, but you know, he says like you're the mom and pop of revenue. Like you're basically mm-hmm. the guardians of the galaxy when it comes to revenue. So um, you have to build that relationship, and you have to define what it is uh, that you're trying to jointly achieve. Like, and often that is opportunities. So how do you get and find the best opportunities to create revenue? Um, again, it's all about soft skills it's like building that relationship and then all the other stuff will come i think um Mm -hmm. so that's kind of my perspective you know it's maybe a little bit different um from from how some other folks think about it but again i come from that you know empathy point of view it's like Mm -hmm. if you can understand um how you're going to work together as a team uh you build that trust that relationship and ultimately you'll be there for each other that's what it's all about yeah so we have empathy, uh, just understand how you're going to work together. You have to be curious about what's going on, what they do. And then number three is actually start meeting with the sales function. Yeah. And eventually you'll start having the revenue mindset because obviously that's what they do best. Um, and that's what needs to be infused into marketing, right? Right, exactly. And I, you know, number three should probably be like, you know, communication or whatever, just to be yeah, succinct. Like it. okay. But it's, it's like... Um, the market changes so frequently and it's so diverse now that your strategy has to be like this dance. It's like playing jazz rather than like a plan. You know, mm-hmm. we all love plans. The C-suite love plans. They love to see the <laughs> annual projections. Oh, how many leads am I going to get this month? Like blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, especially early stage is you have to sort of like cross the river by feeling the stones. It's mm-hmm. a dance. And you can only build that muscle together, um, mm-hmm. you know, the sales and sales and marketing teams. Well, I like that a lot. I'm glad you laid that out for us uh, with those three steps. So we'll have to turn that into a slide deck or something after this. But um, <laughs> so we're at the point of the interview where I like to have a little bit of fun and give you the opportunity to take the mic and become the interviewer. Um, so do you have any questions that you want to shoot my way uh, just to kind of mix things up here? I guess. Um, you know, you're interviewing a lot of, a lot of people and I'm Mm -hmm. massively 
honored to be um be on your podcast by the way I, I don't really put myself out there a lot um it's something i'm going to try do doing a bit more but um yeah really grateful for being here and just looking at all the other people you've interviewed um and listening to some of those as well you're obviously getting like you know the fire hose of like insights and wisdom mm-hmm. so you know maybe you could give your like three or one takeaway um, from your experience of like talking to all these different uh, different people in the industry, like what what's that sort of thing that's continually resonating with you? Um, mm-hmm. That like how marketing is working? Yeah, there's there's a few different things. So we had Chris Walker on the podcast, which was pretty cute, uh, pretty cool. Um, I think one of the things I learned from him was just demand generation as a whole. And I wrote it down. Let me see if I have it here. It's, um, what do you believe about X, right? So what do you believe about your product? What do you believe about your service? That maybe your buyer doesn't, but if they found it out, it would move them into a buying cycle way faster than they had ever planned. Maybe they even maybe they didn't even understand they needed to be in a buying cycle. Um, maybe they didn't know they needed to buy your product. And that's what creating demand is. And I think that that when I first started the podcast and I first started getting into B2B marketing, the term demand generation was so vague to me. And I think after talking to so many people um, on the show, I think that that is one of the things that has stuck out to me the most is what does your company believe about something, right? Your product or your service that when your buyer finds it out, they're going to go, Oh, you know what? I need that now a lot sooner than they originally would have thought, which could have been years out. And I think that's one of the biggest things that resonated with me. Um, another one would be uh, this, I forget, uh, Phoebe Nochi, I believe is who said it on the podcast a while ago, it was the simplest, most profound thing she said was content marketing is educational. It's not promotional. And yeah. it's so true. I, I mean, so many companies, whether it's their LinkedIn page, um, their Facebook feed, whatever it is, it's this selfish PR push trying to get people to go read their blog when they're on LinkedIn, right? People don't want to leave the platform to go do that. Or it's it's this self-promotional content that is just not educational, helpful, or entertaining to anybody else. And the company thinks it's going to feed their pipeline and and drive revenue. It's just not. Um, So I think between those two things, it's been, uh, those have been some of my key learnings that have just kind of um, really solidified things that I've realized, but hadn't been able to articulate. Yeah, no, that's that's great. That really resonates with me as well. Um, yeah, I mean, look, thanks for having me follow Chris Walker. By the way, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like coming on coming on off, you know, after the Beatles or something. Um, but uh, no, it was look, a little he, while ago, so oh, it was people okay, probably forgot cool. by now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I think you know, yeah, he's the, sort of the Yoda of B two B marketing <laughs> at the moment. Um, but yeah, it's right. This like idea of demand, and that that is the job of marketing. Yeah, I think actually, you know what? I think sales is changing. Not to create that sort of, you guys are changing. We're not, but mm-hmm. I think sales is changing because uh, it, it's collapsing in on, you know, marketing and sales are collapsing in on themselves, and it is around demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I mentioned right at the top about product. Mm-hmm. Um, I think products the next one to come into that group, into that room. You've already got it with the product-led growth movement. Um, 
it's it's that sort of culmination of value that you're trying to create in the mind of the of the audience mm -hmm. um that it can't be delivered by one function in a company anymore mm -hmm. um it's and also business has become a lot less transactional right so um it, it's it's uh, uh you know there's an emotional component to this because you're now selling um into people who you know their jobs are more than just a job it's a career it's a, mm -hmm. a vision and ambition um especially in the startup world where again you're you're set on this path um and you you come across certain opportunities along the way mm -hmm. um if you're lucky enough to work at companies that um pan out or companies that that don't work out i think both of those experiences are very rich so yeah mm -hmm. you have to translate that into your into your work and that's really where demand generation for me comes from is like you're translating that value um in a way that isn't transactional it's yeah it's more than that and maybe that's the marketing way of saying it but i think that is true i think that's if you look at all the all the most successful companies mm -hmm. and i agree with the, the emotional side of things more it's becoming more and more prevalent where these brands are building this emotional connection whether it's through the content they're distributing um i mean i guess that would or really the way they're the customer experience, I guess, is another way. I'm trying to think of some other ways besides content because that's the biggest one that comes to mind. But um, the emotional connection, what, what was yeah. that? I think it's their under, It's actually their understand. It's like you have to go to the root. Yeah. I mean, content is content. It's like a delivery mm -hmm. vehicle, right? So it's like what's on the what's on the delivery vehicle. It's some deep understanding, like almost a freak mm -hmm. deep understanding of, of who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. um, and again something I try and bring um, into some of the work I'm doing at the moment is we had this idea of like, a, you know, like a small room, you're basically bringing a few people into a room um, and you're having a conversation that is extremely intimate about what they do professionally. Um, and you can only have that conversation. You can only earn that the right to have that conversation by trying to understand the people sat on the other side. Um, so that's, you, you can't deliver, you know, you can't create demand without understanding what will drive it. So, um, and again, that comes from, comes from people who are buying things, uh, you know, and actually that, that translates across any size company. Um, either you're selling into a big company or you work for a big company understanding that sort of in a freakish way who you're talking to um and why you're talking to them is it's just it's like the hidden secret of marketing like it's i just don't think a lot of people get that mm -hmm. um and again maybe they do i don't know <laughs> it's like it's hard to know You'd it's be hard surprised. to know what yeah well, it's hard to know what echo chamber you're trapped in, right? So it's like, yeah. I try and step out, but maybe I'm still in a bigger one. I don't know. But, um, you know, I think that's that, that's really, that's where my focus would be is understand who you're talking to and be curious about finding ways of understanding it. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, continually improve how you uh, try and understand those people.
Yeah. And I think a great way to do that is to have a podcast, um, post content in social channels and read the comments and engage with your ideal buyers where they're consuming content. I think those are three powerful ways to start getting that understanding. And obviously just talking to them is a great one too. Um, but those, these are some other strategies that I've noticed are super helpful. Yeah. No, that's well, great. Yeah. Well, Ben, I appreciate you, uh, you hopping on the podcast here. This has been a lot of fun. Um, before we go, can you give us, uh, some information on where we can find you, where you're active, if people want to connect? Sure. I'm sort of this, like, you know, uh, I'm crap. I'm basically crappy at multitasking. So I, I do LinkedIn, like LinkedIn is my thing at the moment. Um, that's where I'm active. So, you know, Ben Verdi Chapman on LinkedIn. I think I'm only the, the only one other than my wife with that, that last name. So it shouldn't be too hard. Um, yeah. And look, I'm, I've sort of, I moved into this marketing career uh, a few years ago and um, I just love talking, you know, people like you, and just learning. And I think there's a lot of things that still need to be figured out mm -hmm. about how marketing works um, in a meaningful way, but I'm always open to, yeah, connecting and, and, and talking about how we can collectively improve our practice, uh, mm -hmm. improve our profession. Um, it gets a bad rap, understandably, but um, there's some really good people doing some amazing work in places where you don't expect and they don't get enough credit <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, if through this i can connect with you know another three people that feel like me i think that's very rewarding for me yeah and you have the potential to do that for sure um so we'll put the invitation out there for people to go do that for sure but uh, ben cool. thanks again man i appreciate you you joining me today cool cheers sam